Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We review the first day of the Barcelona Formula One test and take a look at the new cars from Toro Rosso and Force India. First day of pre-season testing 2018 is over. Daniel Ricciardo set the pace for Red Bull, setting the fastest lap of 1 minute 20.179 seconds using the medium compound Pirellis, beating Valtteri Bottas by 0.170 seconds with Kimi Raikkonen third, 0.327 seconds off the pace, but unlike the fastest two, using the soft tyres to do that. Obviously, there's a limit to how much you can interpret from uh, times at this stage, but we learned a few things today, so uh, we're going to have a good look back at the day. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me to try and unpick some of the uh, the mysteries of today is our technical expert Gary Anderson of course who's been through his fair share of first days of testing in, in Formula One cars in his time. Gary what do you make of today? What did we learn? Um, well first of all it was good to get out on the track and see the cars running because you can look at pictures all day long for your, the rest of your life and, and in reality it's what the car looks like on the on the track that matters the, the poise of the car. 
And also the the noise level of the cars is it's it's not too bad. You know, you, there was a time a few couple of years ago when you you could talk over the cars basically, and now you can't. So I'm quite impressed that the noise level has has got itself to a point where I think it's it's comfortable. It's not as noisy as high high uh, pitch as it used to be with the V8s and V10s, but it's at a level where I think it represents a good racing car. But watching the cars on the track, obviously, as you say, it's the first day, a bit limited. But because the weather is due to sort of close in on us and it's actually sleeting outside at the minute. Yeah, you may hear a little bit of bad weather as things <laughs> rattle in our top-secret Barcelona studio. So don't think we're sitting in the sunshine here in Barcelona. It's actually freezing and it's uh, sleet outside. So, yeah, it just I think everybody put a little bit more effort into today to actually get running and get get a, a better understanding of the cars. Um, but, as I say, it's, it is the first day of testing. The times, um, you know, relative to, to last year are much faster. The track's been resurfaced. These cars have got a lot more downforce. They've also had a year's, a year's development. So we're looking like the times are heading in the right direction. You know, the low 20s is a good place for for day one on a brand new surface. But uh, out on the track, yeah, it's looking at the poise of the cars. And the, and the Red Bull, the, uh, the Ferrari, and the McLaren, I have to add, in there looked very driver-friendly, fairly stable. Um, you know, the driver could get confidence from it fairly quickly. The Mercedes just looked a little bit of a handful, to be honest, in the afternoon in Lewis's hands. It was a bit disjointed, wasn't it? It's kind yeah. of brake, turn in as aggressively as you dare, feed the power in quite gently, and if you got a bit greedy in any of those phases, the car got away from him. Well, it's, it's just about getting the temperature into the tyres, you know, so it's a difficult task, but from leaving the pits, which is down at turn one, two and three, you can see the car leaving the pits and and basically, it comes around at the end of its first lap, and it's that it's that lap where the temperature isn't really up in the, t- in the tire, but you've still got to work it to get the temperature up. The Ferrari and the and the McLaren and the Red Bull were able to drive the, the corner normally, yes, a little bit slower, but they could load the car up properly, and that helps the tire temperature. Whereas with the Mercedes with Lewis in it, it didn't do that. You know, he's very very reluctant to turn in because the rear would step out. And then you get a bit of understeer and, you know, it just looked very tentative. You know, it looked like he was having to sort of hold on pretty tightly and react to it. And you could hear wheel spin quite often as well. So once the tyres were warmed, the Mercedes just looked as good as, as any of the rest of them. But it looked like more difficulty on the way there. So, you know, is that poised for help the season? Who knows? You know, it's only the first day of testing, as we said, and Lewis was only in the car for the afternoon. But um, time will tell. But this week's obviously going to be difficult because it's going to be little snapshots of dry track Ho- hopefully there'll be little snapshots of dry track but the weather forecast is not great i have to say if i could pick any of those cars to jump into it would have been the ferrari based on what we saw kimmy raikkonen doing it was consistent the car always seemed to be under him right from the first lap pretty much and that suggests that some of those characteristics of the ferrari that it's got a nice big wide operating window it can get the tires to work and it just does what the drivers want it to relatively speaking it suggests those characteristics are carried over yeah it does and also kimmy's quite an individual driver in a way um you know, he needs a good front end on the car and he needs a good feedback from the car. His way of driving is that he, he really does load the front up and, and work the car. And if the, if the front end isn't there, he doesn't like it. Um, and the front end was there, wasn't yes, it? It, wasn't, yeah. it certainly wasn't giving up, like we were saying with he a lot of others. He doesn't like, um, he doesn't want oversteer really as, as such, but he hates the front end to be lazy. He's a driver that likes the front end to respond. And obviously that that's there. He's... It was quick. The car looked comfortable, you know. And, and you look at the lines through the, that section of corners. If you if you just miss turn one, that little fraction, like you know, 
half a car's width. It's then you're, you're playing catch up all the way around the rest of it. And that's why it's an interesting place to watch because you should get through turn one, just nip the curb on the inside and then nail the throttle and you should be able to keep the throttle in more or less flat through turn two and, and turn three. And then through turn three, it's just about whether you're on just the right line or not, just to keep it flat all the way through there. And the Ferrari looked like they could do that. Um, so the Red Bull as well, you know, it looked pretty similar, to be honest. Um, just had that, you know, they, they were out probably the window of time to get through the lap time was was right for them when they got out there. So it, it wasn't a very big window today because of the weather and because of the, how cold it was, because it was absolutely freezing. Um, so... It looks good for them. It looks good for the closing of the competition, the closing up a bit. It also looks good. You know, McLaren are a bit better than they were last year, um, but they're you know they've got a long way to go. They had a, a problem with a, a wheel falling off early on in the day, which is fairly embarrassing. Yeah, really, for Fernando Alonso in the the last corner gravel trap. <laughs> yeah, because it damages right, just, missing. damages so much stuff underneath the car whenever you go into the gravel trap with with only three wheels in your wagon as such. Um, you know, we've seen it many, many times with uh, Reliant Robins falling over and stuff. And it obviously doesn't do any good. And whenever the spares are limited as well, I'm sure he was uh, using, in the afternoon, I'm sure he was using a car that was patched up somewhat because I'm sure they don't have a spare floor and stuff already for the car just, just yet. But nevertheless, the car did look quite good, quite confidence-inspiring. Um, and that's good because Alonso, you know, he probably deserves a good year, to be honest. I would like to see it, whether... Mercedes or McLaren now with the Renault engine can actually sort of hunt down Red Bull a matter of time. I don't expect them to do that. I think on the odd occasion they might nip at Red Bull's heels, but Red Bull have done a strong job on their car because they, they started last season a bit weak. They ended last season fairly strong and they know they need to start the season strongly. If they're going to have a, a championship attack at all, they've got to be scoring big points from, from day one in Australia. So um, they got out today. They were first out of the pits. They did lots of laps, you know, they did. They got through their programme, so they've obviously learned that being late all the time is not the best way to go. Going back to McLaren, obviously they had a fairly high-profile thing went wrong. Fernando Alonso pointed out there were half a dozen other teams there who behind closed doors had the cars in bits and were, were chasing problems. So it, it's a little bit unfortunate McLaren had such an obvious problem. But to me, it does hit home the fact that McLaren has had three years of being able to blame Honda for all of its ills. And in fact, probably it could blame Honda for most of its ills, but not necessarily all of them. And they've really set themselves up this year to be exposed if there's any weakness. You know, they need that kind of thing not to be happening. This team needs to be on it, not making mistakes. And there might be quite a few little team errors over the past few years that have gone unnoticed because there were much bigger blunders going on in the in the Honda side of things. So it, it underlines how exposed that team is. And although they'll shrug it off publicly, I imagine internally Eric Bouillet will be thinking, come on, guys, we can't afford to have this sort of thing happen yet. Mistakes happen. Everyone makes errors. It was a bit of finger trouble. But it's still very embarrassing for this to happen, and they need to cut out these errors. They need to remember that to be a front-running top Formula 1 team, you can't let that happen. No, it's, it's yeah, I agree with you completely. And I mean, they've been tightening up wheel nuts for, for many years. Um, and I'm sure the axle design and the wheel nut design hasn't changed dramatically this year. So th- there is a torque set, and basically it's up to the team what they want to clamp the, the wheel up to. Um, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a fine line because obviously the, as the heat builds up on the wheel, normally the the wheel material expands more than the axle material, so the wheel actually gets tighter. And he'd done four laps whenever it happened. He was sort of ending his fifth lap, to be honest. Um, you know that that should all have settled down, to be honest. You know the 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 pinch of the of the 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 wheel warming up 
um, from the brakes should have happened and the, the wheels should have got tighter. So for some reason it came undone. But then on top of that, then there's supposed to be a mechanical system there that stops the wheel not from falling off. So the wheel doesn't fall off and it's an FIA requirement. And that requirement is such that the wheel nut, once it's against this jamming device that you have to have on the axle, it um, takes a certain torque to make it go any further. So it shouldn't actually come undone uh, because there's just two little metal sort of tags that stick out. Um, and also they, to break the metal tags off, it's a certain load. So, you know, the wheel shouldn't come loose, step one, but then the wheel shouldn't have fallen off, step two. So there's two blunders there, really, that they need to look at. There's obviously a design error in the in the blocking system for keeping the wheel nut on if it is left loose for any reason during a pit stop. And there's also the fact that it came loose, which is not good because, you know, things are moving around. Um, and it, it's one of the reasons that the halo's on the car because of a wheel coming off and hitting the driver on the head. And we saw today that a wheel did come off. Yes, it didn't. It stayed in the gravel trap. It didn't go anywhere near anybody. But that's the reason the halo's been created and put onto the car is to try and stop that type of incident happening. Yeah, it's a good reminder of that, certainly. The other side of the, the McLaren Renault coin is Toro Rosso Honda. First day for Toro Rosso with that engine, 93 laps of Brendan Hartley. That's also the first time we've had a, a good look at the car. We did see an image from the from the filming day. But what do you make of the Toro Rosso and what's what's happened today? What's day one in public of the Honda relationship been like? Well, I think they should go away pretty happy because, you know, as you say, it did, what, 93 laps? Um, that's a pretty good... Um, run of, of laps for them. Um, That's not far off half of what McLaren Honda managed in the whole first four days last uh, yeah, year. Yeah, no, and, and, and you know, reality, Toro Rosso, you know, they, they're a small team. They shouldn't, they haven't got the professionalism that McLaren should have had to identify and rectify and solve problems along with Honda. But Toro Rosso have just got almost allowing Honda to get on with the job. And, and one of the interesting things, I spoke to some of the Toro Rosso people today, and they were saying that, you know, one of them was saying that they got you know, engine specification from Honda initially. And um, at sort of two days later, they got a different engine specification. And obviously, the you know, working with the Japanese is, is pretty strange. I work with them quite a bit at Honda. You have to try and understand them a little bit. And what they were saying was, look, you know, the first specification we're giving you is what we've got in the sort of car now. But we would like to use this specification that's different. Engine length was slightly different in, a very, in an area where Honda felt... They were compromising the reliability, but McLaren demanded that they did it. Um, so it's never just as black and white as blaming Honda for these problems, you know. The, the team and the engine company unite and try to put together the best package possible. I think it may be that, that uh, McLaren were maybe pushing the limits that little bit too far, requesting stuff from Honda that Honda didn't like. And, you know, the Japanese are never very good at saying no. Um, they'll always go and try and do something with you. And I think this is maybe a typical example where Toro Rosso are allowing Honda to do the job the way they want to do it because they don't have the weight that McLaren have. So it'll be an interesting thing because, the, again, today, Fernando Alonso was out in the McLaren and he was following Brendan Hartley in the Toro Rosso and he couldn't get past him. Had to cut the chicane to get past him, yeah, didn't he? Cut the chicane <laughs> to get past him because the Toro Rosso was too quick in the straight line. How many times have we heard of Fernando Alonso last year saying, you know, this bloody Honda engine is, you know, everybody's just passing me. And that's just... Hardly a GP2 engine anymore. Yeah, it's hardly a GP2 <laughs> engine, but he was getting the other the other side of the treatment uh, um, today. And it's quite funny because his fastest lap was taken away because of um, because of cutting the chicane to get past the, the Toro Rosso. So there's a learning curve there. But uh, again, looking just at the cars, which is all we can do because we don't really know about fuel loads and all that sort of stuff. Just looking at the poise of the cars and the confidence that it's given to the drivers, the McLaren still look pretty good um, and through turn one, two and three. So... 
I'm expecting them to make a, a reasonable step forward. But the one thing about the Toro Rosso is while the engine seems to run pretty well and Toro Rosso is pretty happy, Brendan Harley didn't look especially happy with the front end, which seems to be almost non-existent at times turning into turn one, even when not even going in that hot. Yeah, no, the front end didn't look um, too well connected. It was what I call just washing out. I mean, it's not like you've got an understeer and you can put more steering lock on to sort of compensate for it. It would just give up completely and wash across the road. So obviously there'll be a bit of data head scratching tonight trying to work out what's going on with there. But that was that was its weak point, basically, with the front end going away. Whereas if you look at the, the Haas coming into turn one, um, it was the rear end. You know, every time they try to turn into, or Grosjean try to turn into the corner, the rear end would step out. Now, Grosjean's one of the, the late breakers in life. And I, I remember at um, Montreal, whenever I, we ran Eddie Irvine in the Jordan, Eddie Irvine and Rubens Barrichello. And, uh, you know, one of Eddie's comments when he came into the pits was that he could break later than the car. And you sort of try to tell them, well, actually, you know, you have to be part of the car. You have to just optimise the braking because the car is the thing that gives you the grip. He wanted mentally to brake later than the car, but if the grip isn't there, you can't do it. And Grosjean just constantly wants to brake later than the car. He needs to step back a little bit because what happens is that you, the, the feedback you're giving the team whenever you're overdriving the car that little bit is not the real problem. You know, he'll be complaining bitterly that the rear of the car is too nervous and he can't turn into the corner. But really, that's not the problem he's got. There's something else fundamental that's the problem. So if he just steps back a little bit and t- gets the car to be the car as you turn into the corner, you'll get the true reading, and then the team can probably work on it and work on the setup to, to get it better. And then he can break later into the corner. But they're trying to fix a problem that isn't actually there. He's creating that problem, and that, that's a very difficult situation to be in. And how many times do we see him have that moment in turn one? We were down there for maybe two hours and constantly on the way in the mid-corner, it's going, yeah, that one half spin coming out of it. So, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Roman Grosjean needs to needs to calm down a bit. The other new car we saw today was the new Force India. Of course, your old team, your Jordan days, founder, founder technical director. 22 laps. Nikita Mazepin was at the wheel. He had an off, and I think they had some other sensor problems and things. So not the most productive of days for them, and not a representative lap time way down in the timesheets. But what do you make of the the Force India? Very high expectations, given this is a team that's defending fourth in the constructors against some rising teams in Renault and McLaren. Yeah, I mean, two years of finishing fourth in the championship has given them decent budgets, so they can get on with you know decent prize money, so they can get on with development a bit more now than what they had in the past. But doing what they did today with running a a driver that's with all the best will in the world, not going to be next year's world champion by any means, um, seems wrong to me because. With the weather forecast the way we've got it for here, at best, we're going to lose a day or two days with rain. Um, so it's a very limited running time. And there are two drivers, Sergio Perez and Esteban Ocon. You know, they're good, competent guys. They're young, they're hungry, they're eager. Um, and they missed probably, the, you know, potentially the best window of this week of, of getting in there, one of them, or even sharing it like some of the other teams did between the two drivers, you know, one in the morning and one in the afternoon, um, just to get real risk driver feedback on things and that's so important for a team initially to to get that yes the circuit surface here is new and you know lots of stuff it's a new car and all that sort of stuff and you might have time later on but you might also not have time later on so you've got to just take it when you can get it and there's no reason why you know later on in the in the in the week or even next week's test that they couldn't have put a driver in there just to go off and do a big reliability run, just go and do 50 laps of the car chap, I'll see you lap 25 and we'll change the tyres and let somebody else do that just to just keep pounding around and just check the reliability of the car but for to put them in today seems a bit naive for a team that's always been very good at thinking on their feet. 
And it's doubly strange as well, because of course, actually, originally in that car was meant to be Nicholas Latifi, the F2 driver who's their reserve driver. Nikita Mazepin is the development driver, obviously, but a big difference there. So with Latifi out with apparently a serious infection, he's recovering from, there was presumably the opportunity to put in Nesta Van Ocon or Sergio Perez. Yeah, strange, strange decision. But, you know, the car looks pretty decent fundamentally so they've got a platform to work from whatever happens yeah i think i think the car looks pretty decent fundamentally i think the the front wing assembly um i'm not as impressed with it as i would like to be uh it's obviously it's got the all the multiple element stuff like like all the rest of the cars but for me it, it's it's a slightly i, I classify it as a scaled down version of some of the other front wings and there was a not sort of using the maximum um areas that they could use and you know that's just basically potentially that's a loss of downforce, and also the outboard end of it. They're on you know they've gone their own direction with that, um, as well as the the sort of uh, nostril section of the nose. Nostril section of the nose, I understand, getting that airflow in through there is not not the wrong thing. Other people do it in a slightly different way, but the outboard end is 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 vitally important. I don't I think there's room for improvement there now. As I keep saying, there's certain bolt-on devices on the car, and you can change them. And um, um, hopefully, there's another wing assembly, you know, in research and development that will be coming along in a few days' time to to bolt on the car. Uh, but I think it's an area where they need to improve. Um, the car itself has got all the rest of the bits, the bargeboard area, and that's quite nice, quite unique in what it's got. But it's you know, it's all packaged very very well. And again, all these bits, you know, we'd be talk about them on the car and how they create vortexes and they do this and they do that. But it's about making sure they all work correctly together as opposed to one individual component no one individual component makes these cars work it all starts you know with everything blending into everything it's it's all about you know aerodynamic structure airflow structure in the car nowadays it's not just i've got this one bit on here and it's creating 40 percent of my downforce it doesn't work like that i guess the team we haven't mentioned a great deal of so far is the works renault team fourth fastest with nico hulkenberg at one minute 20.547 that's 0.368 seconds off off the fastest so that that's a pretty good day for Renault and I guess both from a works team perspective and a power unit supply perspective they've gone fairly conservative with their initial spec but they're getting the mileage there seems to be some performance in the car so for the French side it's it's across the board it's been a fairly good first day yeah it's been a fairly good first day and you know reliability has been strong between the, the three teams that run on their engines or look pretty strong from the outside at least I didn't see many of them come back in a truck and in the past few years we've seen that quite often um it looked, you know, we were only watching lap times and the cars going past the pits in the, in the morning. And Hulkenberg looked at ease with the car every time he went out. You know, the circuit was getting a little bit better and stuff like that. But he was he was on it. He was there. He was always knocking on the door all the time of that top batch of, of uh, cars. In the afternoon, with Carlos Sainz in the car, didn't look as comfortable. Mistakes here and there. But I could probably put most of the mistakes down to driver errors. Like he was going into the turn one a bit deep, and, and we saw him have that off onto yeah. the runoff and then over the speed yeah. bumps. Just, just you know, maybe maybe trying too hard. I think he might have gotten the car thinking because of what Hulkenberg had done in the morning. This is easy. I'll just push on, and it didn't work that way. He needed to find his feet, and I think in the end, when he backed out out of it a little bit. He did start to find his feet, but then you know a little bit of sprinkler rain came and it ruined the chances of the afternoon drivers um, putting any relatively high performance times in. So they had to sort of back out of it really halfway through their running as such because of the rain coming. Um, so we haven't really seen the true form of, of Saints yet in the car, but it, he did look as though he was um, having a little bit more of a fight with it than Hulkenberg looked like he did in the morning. And just I guess the final topic: all the cars equipped with halos. 
in their livery. Some of them are the usual halo colour. Some of them have been integrated like Ferrari and Williams have got red and white respectively to fit in with the paint scheme. What was the reality of watching a whole afternoon of behaloed Formula One cars? Was it offensive? Um, was it all right? Was it tolerable? Was it a bit uncomfortable? I think it's one of those sort of situations that I personally don't like the halo for two for a few reasons. One is that it's there for driver safety, obviously, and if it does work on some occasion, okay. But for me, I'm a little bit worried that someone's going to get in through the, the gap that you've got. You've got this pillar in the middle and then the, the side sweep down onto the headrest. And that's a big opening for a fairly major part to get stuck in there. Yeah, it ricochets normally, around a bit, yeah. Well, it normally would get, you know, and hit that area. It might hit you on the helmet, but we'll go around the side of the car. And, and now it can't get out. So, you know, a front wing, for example, which these front wings are, are quite a co- complex piece of kit. One of them gets knocked off and shot up in the air. It could very easily get the end of it stuck into where the driver's helmet is, and that's not a good thing to do. Yes, it will stop a tyre probably from coming into the cockpit, and it will be safer in, in various other incidents. But it also, you know, Felipe Massa getting hit in the head with a spring uh, in Hungary a few years ago, it wouldn't do anything for that because the spring will come through that hole. So that's one thing um, with everything you put on to try and be safer. You, you obviously run the risk of other problems. Um, for me, the, the thing is, it's there. We can't really do much about it. But we had a big push last year for the driver's number and uh, name to go on the engine cover fin and all that sort of stuff so that the, the, the people could see whose car it was. Um, and some people do recognise driver's helmets. I've personally never been very good at it because they keep changing a bit here and there. Jordan um, did go through quite a few drivers in a season on occasion. 93, yeah. you had six different drivers. I used to know who was getting in the car, but um, sometimes it did change a bit. One minute it's Ivan Capelli, the next minute it's Thierry Boutsen, Michael You had to be careful when you called them on the radio and not get the right name. But um, today, you know, the halo showed to me that you, you hardly see the driver now. The helmet is completely hidden. Um, and that's the idea of you're going to protect the driver's head. You've got to hide that head with something. And I'd still believe the, the aero screen of some sort would be a better solution like they're running on the IndyCars or testing the IndyCar. And I'm sure if IndyCar and Formula One had joined together, they could have come up with a, a design of one screen that would have fitted both cars and allowed, you know, a very good company, which is America, the Amer- IndyCar people have got working on the screen to come up with a a good solution and joined their budgets together to get that solution in place. And I'm sure that the, the trim line around the base of it or the, the mounting carbon piece that mounts it could all have been adapted to the same, theoretically, the same, roughly the same component would have fitted both cars. And it sort of disappears. You know, you see the driver, but he's behind the screen, which is, for me, far, far better than anything else. But uh, it's not the way it's been. We got what we got, and we just got to get on with it. The strange thing with the Halo is my position. I'm kind of resigned to it. I accept it's there. I find it still a halfway house solution between kind of either not having it at all or having it fully closed cockpit. But that's that's by the by. But the thing that slightly surprised me today is this: the first time we've seen them regularly. I actually expected the ones that were integrated into the liveries to be slightly less grating, but actually. It's the bare ones, such as Red Bull have got, Mercedes, that you can almost kind of dial them out visually and the shape of the car, as it always used to be, is there. And the halo almost disappears into the background. Whereas actually, if you see a, a Force India, which has got a kind of, the, the Sabre one's white, so maybe about half of them, just over half, have integrated them. And that, that made sense on paper. 
it, it doesn't look great, does it? In fact, the, the Ferrari is particularly great because it's red and it's got the little Ferrari logo on the on the front of it. And I was slightly surprised by the fact it was the bare ones that looked better than the integrated ones. Yeah, I mean, what you're really talking about is the black ones. I mean, the, the, the halo itself is a titanium tube and a titanium front mount wrapped and, and the teams are allowed to wrap it in a carbon structure to try and aerodynamically make it um, a bit better it's not the structure can't really affect the strength it's just about fairing it in a little bit but yeah I do agree with you that you know the more you make it stand out the worse it is and I think making it the same color as a car obviously changes it from being black um, and the black ones disappear a little bit but I think what we're saying there is we don't like it and that if it could be made made invisible it would be far better than what it is and the black ones are more invisible than a white one so um, I think we just, as I say, we're saying that we just haven't come to terms with it right yet. But it's there, and as I say, it's a regulation, you can't do anything about it, so we've just got to accept it and get on with it. And if it does save somebody's life, or if it saves a head injury of some sort, you know, genuinely, then it's, it's done its job. Just, I hope it doesn't create a head injury. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Unintended consequences. That's a law that often comes back to bite you. But it's been interesting to see the halos for the first time and to see the 10 cars on track for the first time. So it's been a really interesting day of testing. Not too many conclusions to draw, but a few pointers. So thanks very much, Gary Anderson, for your insight. We'll try and keep you updated on this podcast with goings on in testing over the coming days. Of course, three more days and then there's the second test four days the week after. So keep an eye on autosport.com where you can see all the news from testing, the latest updates, the reports. Gary Anderson's in-depth technical analysis of each, each of the 10 cars is available in the plus subscriber area. And remember also to check out Autosport magazine, Red Bull on the cover this week, and we'll have some coverage of the, the remaining cars that have been launched and the first test in Thursday's issue. So thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? 
not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.